That's right, that's right. We are live in the building. This is Run the Point. This is my first day with you guys. How y'all doing, man? What's up, man? How are yeah, you? Good. My name is B-Long. Say your name, gangsters. I am Rob the Cuban. I am coming <laughs> from Hoboken, New Jersey, and we are about to run some points for y'all. That's what's up. That's what's up. Where? Hey, what's going on, man? This is Aaron checking in right now. I'm in Hotlanta, but I rep the Bay right now uh, out here for the holidays. So let's get this thing going. Did you see Matt Ryan out there? Hey, actually, I seen Julio uh, the other day. You saw Julio? I said, <laughs> I said what's up to him. He act like he didn't know me, but that's cool. I got you because I know you listen to the podcast, Julio. I see you at the stoplight. <laughs> that's what's up. That's what's up. Well, the Falcons are doing well right now. But there's a lot of teams in the NFL that aren't doing so well, and there's a lot of coaches that are on the hot seat. All right, so uh, the, the first one we have to talk about is the Rams, because I'm out here in L.A., man. So, you know, I, I get a firsthand knowledge of all the Rams stuff going on. <laughs> now, do you think the Rams quit on Jeff Fisher? Rob? The Rams did quit on Jeff Fisher because Jeff Fisher should, shouldn't have even been a coach anymore in the NFL. How many chances is this guy going to get? He failed in Tennessee. He's been failing with the Rams. And I watch him in his post-game press conferences. I see him on the sidelines. I don't even think this guy cares. I don't even think he, he, he gives he gives any any concern about his, his players, the, the outcome of the game, the organization. Maybe he's just doing it for a paycheck. Who knows? But he's done. Yeah, well, you he, know, did take, he did take Tennessee to the Super Bowl. You know, but me talking about he did that, man, but – early 2000s, late 90s, Jeff Fisher is just Mr. 7-9, and nine, and I don't think the team quit on him. I I just think that he doesn't know what he's doing. Like, you can't quit on somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. It's just kind of like, okay, we really understand that. This guy has no clue. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. he got lucky. The main, criticism, yeah, the main criticism he gets is that his offense is like a middle school offense. He's a defensive-minded head coach, but uh, he definitely needs a better offensive coordinator if he has another opportunity to coach in the NFL. <clears throat> now, now, do you guys, do you guys think, Aaron? Tell me, do you think that uh, if a team is out of playoff contention, do you think that they quit and they they give less effort? Uh, you know, I don't think so. I think what it let's is because let's take San Francisco. Let's take San Francisco. These guys, you know, I don't think they quit only because of this is. At the end of the day, one, they got so much incentives in their contract that they're probably playing for that money. Uh, and two, also, these teams, these guys know if they quit, they give up. You know, this coach that's on the hot seat, this coach that might be gone, the next guy's coming in, he's looking at film, and they say, oh, okay, this guy's got no heart. He's got no, I don't want him, you know. So, to me, it's too much on the line. Do I think that they uh, kind of ease it up and not necessarily play 100, but, you know, give about that 85, 90%? Yeah, I definitely see that. Yeah, eighty-five, ninety, huh? <laughs> All right, Rob. What do you, what do you think, Rob? Eighty-five, ninety percent is not good enough for me as a as a paying fan, and I am just that a paying fan. As a as a fan of my beloved New Orleans Saints, I travel around the country to to watch watch the squad. Now, Aaron, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the, the coach and go and we're talking about coaches being on the hot seat, and the next coach that's coming in, going back, looking at film. But I want to bring up the point that. If a coach is going to be fired, or if he's going to is going to change change positions, or what have you, and a new coach comes in, 
so much emphasis is put on head coaches getting their guys, head coaches installing their offense, their defense, their, their regime, their, their game plan, getting players who, who fit the mold of the type of coaching that they want to do, both on the field and, you know, to, to an extent off the field as well, high-character guys. So if there's a new coach coming in and he's, question, he's questioning a player's commitment on the field, he's questioning a player's professionalism and things of that sort, I mean, a coach can go right up to the GM, to the owner, to the owner, and say, you know what, I don't want this guy. Let's let's trade him, or let's let's bring in let's bring in guys that, that I think better fit this team. So, uh, coaches uh, coaches are are definitely uh, giving a lot of input in that regard, and, and players need to understand that. Well, let's talk about his hot seat. Okay, so there's a lot of coaches that are on the proverbial hot seat. Now, I, I have a couple I have a couple of coaches that I don't know. I, I'm not sure if they're on the hot seat or not. You tell me. Aaron, tell me, you think that uh, Rex Ryan is on the hot seat? I think Rex Ryan is. I think uh, that at the end of the year, he, you know, Rex Ryan is that guy. He comes in and he goes, you know, makes all these boisterous guarantees and all of this, and it doesn't pay yep. out every single year, every single year. And I think uh, that the Bills' ownership is starting to look at it and kind of like, okay, um, he's had enough. You know, he's got the number one rushing offense, so. He's got that going for him. It might buy him another year just based off of that. But at the end of the day, you're not winning your division uh, and you're not in the playoffs. So, hey, it might Spoken be time like to look elsewhere. Spoken like a true <laughs> Patriots fan. Hey, he, right, he, now, he uh, now, So they played, the, they played the Browns last week. So I was thinking if they lost to the Browns, Rex Ryan wouldn't have made it to the plane. This guy would have been done. But uh, they, they, they stood up, they stepped up, and they played for him. So, I'm thinking, give Rex another year. Now, what do you think about Todd Bowles, Rob? <laughs> well, it's funny that we're staying in, in the uh, AFC East with this with this discussion. Uh, Todd Bowles cannot be accurately judged because of the injuries the Jets have faced this year, and the I judge, four, him. I judge him. Well, you can you can judge jury all you want, but he's awkward. He's awkward. Well, it doesn't matter if a, if a guy's awkward. It matters the product that he puts on the field with the players that are given to him. And way, way back when Decker got hurt, that Jets team was doomed. I think when they brought in Matt Forte, that that was a questionable decision because this guy Bilal Powell, he, he is an up-and-coming star, in my opinion. When when you watch this guy play, Powell should definitely be getting more carries, as he has been recently, but that was more or less due to a, to a Matt Forte injury. But Todd Bowles, you also have to understand that, you know, He's he's not a guy that has a lot of pieces to play with on the another, offensive another line. Defensive because, minded, well, another well, yeah, defensive-minded well, head coach? Yeah, yeah. So I was about to bring up the the offensive line. I mean, and the Jets were moderately successful. Strong D, good defensive line, great secondary. I mean, they have an aging offensive line, and that's that's been part of the recipe for disaster for Ryan Fitzpatrick. So you got to give this guy at least a year or two to, to kind of rebuild the offensive line. They obviously have to rebuild that, that secondary. I mean, Revis, I don't even think he wants to be on the field anymore. This guy this guy is, you know, he needs to go, go take a vacation somewhere. But Darrell yeah, Revis is done. There's no more Revis Island. And yeah, uh, they need a quarterback. Want, honestly, honestly. Vacation, yeah. is, it, is, it, is it Fitzpatrick? Is, is it Geno Smith? Is it, is it Bryce Petty? And they got I'll tell you what, they got Hackenberg too. I don't think any of those guys are the answer for the Jets. 
All right, now now this is a good one because this team has not registered a win yet this season. Is Hugh Jackson on the hot seat, Aaron? No. He's Brown. Why? Because he's black. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's the Cleveland Browns. Like, what more do you expect from him? Given the state of Cleveland, uh, you know, who's the last Browns quarterback to win a game, go figure. Uh, you know, it's kind of me. You give this guy a, a crap sandwich and you expect him. Say, say, say that again. Say that again. Who's the, the last great Johnny, to win? The great Johnny Manziel, top five quarterback. Johnny football. <laughs> Somebody need to give him a second chance. <laughs> but, you know, hey, Jerry. You know who that is. You know who that is. He won the Heisman. <laughs> but, to, you know, to go back to it, it's, it's the Cleveland Browns. Like, you can switch out head coaches. You can switch out quarterbacks. But what they need is I think Hugh Jackson's a guy who, if they give him the control he needs, he can build a team and he can build a franchise and get it back going. Is he going to be the guy to take him to the promised land and, you know, Get him to the playoffs? Probably not, but playoffs. You get him playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Can't even win a game. The, the doo doo Browns will never go to the playoffs as long as we all three shall live. That's a bold That's statement. <laughs> dude, dude, I'm a Ravens fan, bro. And as long as the Ravens and the Steelers are in that division and the Bengals, the Browns will never make it to the playoffs. I don't see them. I don't see it happening. Not uh, say know, they will never win the division, but they can, I can see them. Give them 20 years, they'll get a wild card spot. 20 years? I think the run-off team, I think the run-off team, I feel like that should be a shirt that should be developed in Cleveland. Give us 20 years, we'll give you a wild card berth. Wow. That's, that's basically how they've been living in all sports until, like, LeBron and the Indians. But, yeah, the Browns are never going to live up to their potential. Uh, now, they got RG3. Hugh Jackson thought he had a quarterback in RG3. That's kind of the, the run-on theme here is that if you don't have a quarterback, you're not going to get wins. So, uh, do you think that RG3 should still be a quarterback in the league? You think they should get rid of him and they should go somewhere else? I, hey, they, they, I they've think got to RG3, see what, they got to see what he can do. I think RG3 is still a quarterback in the NFL only because – you can put freaking Joe Flacco on what? the Browns. I know you disrespect Joe Flacco on my first thing on the show, bro. You can put – Joe Flacco is a great Joe, quarterback. Okay. We'll save that one for another day. But uh, you can put Flacco on the Browns, and he's not going to improve. It's At the end of the day, it's the Cleveland Browns, and that's what I'm kind of – I have no offense, no defense. Yo, Terrell Pryor's their number one wide receiver, quote unquote, supposed to be. Well, he's not. He, Terrell Pryor has worked himself. In, in fairness, he's worked himself into a, a, a legitimate wide receiver in the league. Kind of like Braxton yeah. Miller. I, I will completely agree. He is a a threat if he gets put and utilized in the right way. But um, am I going to say one on one, man oh man, he can match up with you know Sherman or somebody and get me catches? He got, he no. Got Man, Pac-Man shut him down. Exactly. If Pac-Man Jones is shutting you down, then you know that goes to show you something right there. All right. So uh, it's funny that you brought up Pryor because uh, that was where I was going next. Now, Pryor and Pac-Man had a had a rather eventful afternoon last weekend, and uh, you know, Pac-Man called Terrell Pryor. He said he's garbage. He's garbage. 
and he only had like one catch for 11 yards. So basically, he was garbage. But uh, a lot of these, a lot of these cats, a lot of these wide receivers are like divas. You, you got Odell Beckham Jr. You got Dez Bryant on the sideline screaming. Now, is this is this where we're headed towards in, in the NFL? Like, you know, is it all about these receivers, or is it more about the quarterback? Well, I think it is a definitely a more receiver-friendly league, um, just given the state of the rules of how you can't touch them, how you can't do this. So the NFL has gone to a more pass-happy league, yes. Um, and I do think that having a solid quarterback, you know, you can still go all the way if you have an elite talent. You know, you give yeah. – you have an elite talent that wide out, you know, hands down, look at – Look at uh, Odell Beckham. He's making Eli look amazing. And at the end of the day, we all know it is Eli Manning. Um, no, Eli is amazing. Eli has two Super Bowl rings, and he beats your Patriots twice. Eli is amazing some some of the time, not all of the time. But now, now, now we're talking about the receivers. Now it's a lot of these diva receivers. It's a trend now. It's like it's every every time I turn on the TV and I watch a game, I see another receiver wilding out. Steve Smith is one of the, one of those also. He's always screaming on the sideline. Now, do you think – do you honestly think that uh, they they bring it upon themselves, like Odell Beckham Jr., do you think – because a lot of people don't like him. Do you think he brings it upon himself by acting so demonstrative? Rob? He definitely brings it upon himself. And I mean, he's, he's, he's essentially putting, it, putting a, a, a target on the back of his jersey for, for referees. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, hypocritical for, for a player like Odell Beckham Jr. to, to go out and do all this stuff on the sideline, push players, scream, throw things, take his helmet off on the field, or whatever else he does. And then when referees kind of pinpoint little things throughout his game that they want to flack him for or, or they want to criticize him for or what have you, uh, he, he does bring it upon himself. If, if you don't want the attention, don't, don't do things to create attention on yourself. Yeah. How do you feel about it, Aaron? You know, I don't think they bring it upon themselves, but to me, it's kind of I I look at it from a standpoint of they're like the one of the very few people who can still show emotion within the league. Like the league has cracked down on everything else, but this whole diva receiver thing, they got you know they got a little I way to get away with Odell things. Odell is a diva. He was crying on the sideline, bro. That, crying that's me. like Bobby. That to me shows emotion. You know, everybody wanted you know wanted to get on Cam back when he you know would wear the towel on his head and you know be disengaged. But now all of a sudden, you know, when they show emotion, now they're a diva. Uh, so we can't have it both ways. But to me, it's like I think just from the receiver standpoint that they now have that they're like that last group of of people who get away with that freedom, uh, who can have that emotion and still, you know not get charged for the 15-yard penalties and stuff like that. But, you know, sometimes it does bring a little bit unnecessary attention, you know, however you want to see it, well, be it fair or unfair. I will say this about Odell. He does his his production on the field matches his antics on the sideline. So he definitely can stay. But, uh, I mean, you got somebody like Des Bryant who's not really producing as much as he was, like, last year and the year before that. And you, you can say it's Dak or whatever. But, uh, you know, once his production goes down, he might be expendable too. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, we all but, know uh, they're not getting rid of Dez. 
right, well, well, we also have. I think the best. I think the best matchup in all of football is the wide receiver versus the cornerback. Man to man coverage, going straight down the field. Now you got diva corners too. You got Richard Sherman. He's a diva. How do you feel about this cat calling out his offensive coordinator and his head coach, Rob? Regarding Richard Sherman, he's probably the best cornerback in the game, so he can do whatever he wants. But hell Pete no. Car- but 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 Pete, Pete, Car- Pete Carroll, he's he's very much he's very much a, a player's coach. You know, he 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 reminds me a little bit of of Rex Ryan. I, Pete Carroll, it seems like he allows that. It seems like he, he encourages players to, to do what they want, say what they want, act how they want. And, you know, that, that's, that's probably one, one reason why the Seahawks have been so successful in, in recent years. Uh, so I, yeah, he, I don't he necessarily allows them to see, do Right, exactly. So I don't necessarily see, see Richard Sherman criticizing Pete Carroll or, or, or trying, to, trying to, you know, throw Pete Carroll under the proverbial bus. I, I just see it as that's that's the culture of the Seahawks team, culture of the Seahawks players, culture of the Seahawks locker room, and we as fans and perhaps the media perceive it as as what you're describing, Barry. But in that locker room, it's just the Seahawks being the Seahawks. Yeah, well, it happened in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Your Patriots, Aaron, where they are, they're on the one yard line. They should have handed the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Instead, they threw the ball and then Malcolm Butler intercepted it, and that was the end of the Super Bowl. Now they did the same thing last week on the one-yard line, throwing the ball. And that's when Richard Sherman got all up in the, uh, the coordinator's face, Darren Bevel. He also got, you know, he also talked back to Pete Carroll through the media. Now, uh, you said emotion. You said you like when you show emotion, Aaron. Is that too much emotion? Because, I mean, I don't want this guy calling on my head coach. I don't think it's too much emotion, but because I look at it as, like you said, it's Richard Sherman. Um Guy is hands down probably one of the top three corners in the NFL, and uh, there you know, and you know him. You know that's his personality. You know that's the personality of the team. So that to me is he has every right to. It was a dumb call. You should have learned from the first mistake. They did it again, and to me, it's kind of like what else do you expect from Sherman? Yeah, absolutely. Now, is he the best quarterback in the game? Uh, yeah. No. Who's the best quarterback in the game? Ah, oh, man. I would. Did I say? Did I say Malcolm Butler? No, no, God, no. Um, I would. My vote would have to go to Patrick Peterson. Yeah, Patrick Peterson. What about you, Rob? I'm I'm gonna say Richard Sherman with Patrick Peterson being a close second. The only reason only why I give Peterson the advantage is because one, Sherman only plays on one side, and two, yeah. if I had Cam Chancellor and um, Errol Thomas behind me, hell, I look like an All Pro corner too. You know? Hell yeah! So, hell yeah! You know that's why I kind of give it to Peterson. He doesn't have that. Great of a secondary. I mean, outside of the honey badger, yeah, he got, he, the honey badger. That's all I'm about to say. The honey badger. He's probably one of the best safeties in the game right now. I think the best cornerback in the game is Josh Norman. If, when you talk about zone, but when you talk about man man on man coverage, I'm gonna say Jimmy Smith from the Baltimore Ravens, number twenty two. And I know oh, I thought like a homer saying that, but yeah, but bro, there's I a little bias behind that. <laughs> all right, now let's move on to uh. To, of backup quarterbacks because uh, there's a lot of controversy 
especially in Dallas. Tony Romo is now the highest-paid backup quarterback in the NFL, probably NFL history. Now, uh, is it the toughest job being a backup quarterback? Rob? Yes. Yes. Why is that? It, well, so we have we have two different scenarios that I want to bring up. One is the Dallas Cowboys. The other is the New York Jets and how each team handled their quarterback situation. So, obviously, very, very different scenarios. You have uh, Romo going out due to injury, and Dak came in as a starter, and he led the Cowboys. It has, has been leading, is still leading the Cowboys to a, a very successful season. And then <clears throat> Romo's eligible to return, and Dak remains a starter. Whereas in New York, or I should say New Jersey, because there's New York teams don't play in New York, we have Fitzpatrick, who I personally feel was the quarterback for way too long. Once the Jets' season was down the drain, they, they should have brought in Petty or, to a lesser extent, Hackenberg. Uh, but to answer the original point, Wackenberg. Qu- Christian Wackenberg? Christian Wackenberg. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so, he's whack. Every quarterback on the Jets' roster is, is whack. But regarding Romo, you know, he's, I, I can't imagine how, how this guy feels because he, we have America's team. You have Jerry Jones. You have the Dallas Cowboys, who don't play in Dallas, by the way. But anyway, and Tony Romo has—he's he's, been—he's been the golden boy there. And now he's got to sit there on the sidelines and watch Dak Prescott, a rookie, quarterback this team to what's going to look like you know, a first round bye in the NFL playoffs. And well, know, with that O line, with that O line and that running game and those receivers and, and that tight end. I mean, all you really needed was a game manager. You know what I'm saying? You didn't really need Tony Romo throwing all these crazy passes, you know, risking interceptions. Now, Rob, do you stick with the hot hand, Dak Prescott, or do you go back, in your opinion, do you go back to your starter, Tony Romo? The Cowboys should go back to Tony Romo because at the end of the day, I would much rather have a quarterback with experience and, more importantly, uh, I was going to say playoff experience, but Tony Romo doesn't take the Cowboys to the playoffs. If he does, he loses. Exactly. Now, Aaron, how do you feel about uh, – do you stick with the hot hand, Aaron, or do, you, uh, or do you go back to Romo? Well, to me, it depends on what they want to do. So, if they don't open up the playbook for Dak and they still keep, you know, we're just going to pound Zeke and, you know, have Dak throw 25, 30 times a game and expect to win – uh, I think that's when it comes in question. So to me is they need to open up the playbook and I would go stick with the hot hand of Dak or if not, you know, give it back to your veteran and you see what he can do. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's to me, I, you know, I keep striking why the iron's hot and see how far he can take you, but you know, don't keep him limited because come playoff time, that's what's going to really harm them is, you know, you can't run this little safe, Zeke, 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 and throw it on third and short, and hope to well, win gonna, the game. We're gonna, we're gonna call, we're gonna call that the Jeff, we're gonna call the Jeff Fisher offense. Let's, let's dub it the Jeff Fisher offense. <laughs> no, 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 man, because Fisher, Fisher never, he never went twelve. What are they, twelve and two? No. And, and, in regards yeah, 11 to eleven and three, what are they? Eleven and three? I don't, I don't know. I don't care about the Cowboys. But you also have to consider that that once once we get to playoff time. Uh, they're going to be facing better teams. Uh, coaches are going to are going to be 
game planning for, for Dak specifically. They're going to be game planning for that Dallas Cowboys offense. Uh, the level of competition is higher. There's obviously much, much more at stake. So the, the Cowboys are going to have to open up the playbook. The Cowboys are going to have to be a lot more methodical and tactical. And I don't want to, I don't want to put that situation in the hands of a rookie. Being that you have someone like Romo just sitting on the sideline waiting for any rookie. Yeah, He's but I mean, he is, he is black Prescott. Black, he's he, he's cerebral. I mean, he's he's smart. He he'll, he'll take it down. He'll throw it. He'll throw it away. Uh, I mean, he can run the if he can run if he has to. He can make all the good throws, and he doesn't take those risks that Tony Romo did. I think that you have to stick with Dak Prescott because Black Prescott. Because I mean, look, you can say that their 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 offense is middle schoolish, but they went twelve and two. They're twelve and two. Just to uh, just to just to confirm and, that they're twelve and two. Right. So you don't and go I twelve get, and two running. Fisher's never went twelve and two. I don't think. But but Jeff Fisher has never had the talent around him outside of Tennessee that they have here. And that's what I think is the difference, though, is you have that crazy offensive line, um, three, pro, three pro bowlers on there, you know, Zeke running the ball. And to me, I think what it is is this, is with Dak, I wouldn't call him cerebral. He has, like, I give him the Kaepernick. He can read one side of the field, and if it's not there, he either throws it away, you know, hits a little check down, or he runs. That to me, okay, cool, that's awesome. But you can't, you're not on the levels of the Aaron Rodgers, of the Tom Brady's, of the Peyton Manning's, who have the whole field at their disposal. Whereas with these guys, the moment he drops back, he's looking one way, and he's reading that side of the field. If it's not there, he has two other options, and that's it. And I think that's what's going to, in the end, you know, hurt them. But, you know, I still think they get to the to the NFC Championship game, and I think if they play, you know, a solid Seattle team, I think Seattle can get them. And I think Atlanta could. But, you know, the thing with Atlanta is their defense is very suspect. But, you know, outside and of that. Ryan is suspect, too. Matt Ryan might be good for the first three quarters, but he sucks in the fourth quarter. Uh, now, now we're talking about uh, Dak, and if you're Tony Romo, okay, let's say they, they stick with Dak through, with Black Prescott through the playoffs. Now, if you're Tony Romo, next year do you want to go to a different team, Rob, or do you do you want to stay and hope that he gets hurt? What do you do if you're Tony Romo? Well, well this, this is this is another interesting interesting point regarding this, this situation where uh, you have to wonder that some of these teams are are using this as potential contract leverage, um, potential trade bait, things along those lines. Now, I don't feel that this is the case with Tony Romo specifically. When you have similar scenarios on other teams, you know, and you have a quarterback coming off of injury and you stick with the hot hand or rookie or whoever the, the, the backup is, and you're looking to yeah. move on from that quarterback next year, do you keep him on the sideline to, to avoid injury? Or do you keep him on the sideline to use that as potential contract leverage? Say, hey, you know, we had the backup in, we had a rookie in, and we did better without you. So, no, we're not going to give you 10 years, $300 million. So, Tony Romo, I think, would be looking for a new team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, think about all the teams that he could just potentially go to right now and make them an automatic Super Bowl contender. The Broncos. Sure. The, uh, who else? Give me, another, give me another name. Oh, wait, wait, wait. While you mention the Broncos, I've – I've been highly critical of the Broncos because how do you have a team, which they had last year, you, you win the Super Bowl, right? 
that, that oh my goodness, how do you how do you replace Peyton Manning with, with Trevor Seaman? Exactly. If, if the if the Denver Broncos would just have a, a, a decent veteran quarterback, hey, give him Ryan Fitzpatrick. It doesn't really matter if you, if you give if you had given the Denver Broncos a, a decent veteran quarterback instead of Trevor Simeon, they would be the Super Bowl favorites right now. They would be they would be destroying the NFL up, down, left, right, sideways, upside down. Yeah. Denver Broncos no. dropped the ball. No, no, yes. First of all, his name is first of all, his name is Trevor Simeon. It's Trevor Simeon. <laughs> I don't I don't care how you pronounce his name. Yeah, but first of all, it's their Simeon, defense but is going still. To their defense is not the same as what they had last year. So the yeah, fact they lost, that they, they lost, they lost uh, him. They lost the other guy that went to Jacksonville as well. Their other D tackle. So they can't stop the run. And that at the end of the day, what's going to win you a Super Bowl come playoff time? A solid run game and a solid defense. And when your defense is 28th in the NFL, well, you can have the no fly zone. Who cares? That's why they're, you know, the other reason why their secondary stats are so good is because teams are just pounding the ball down the field. Okay, cool. We don't have to throw it, you know, 40 times to beat you. We can throw it 20, you know, go 10 for 20 like Brady did and no touchdowns or nothing and still win the game. So, so Aaron, we, did you we just can, say we that they compare that point as well to the quarterback. So Hold on. Did you just say the Broncos are 28? Yes. They're defense. No, they're, they're defense. Okay, okay. Guess who has the number one defense in the league? It don't matter who has it. <laughs> Baltimore, Baltimore. And what happened All when right. they came into what happened when they came to Foxborough? What happened to that defense? I don't know. It happens every time during the regular season. <laughs> but when we get to the playoffs, we'll talk about the playoffs when we when we see you on the playoffs. Hey, worry about right, that now. game tomorrow before you talk about the playoffs, buddy. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we we got the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's gonna be a really good matchup. Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens. And now we all we each get to pick one one game uh, that that stands out to you this week. My game is gonna be obviously Pittsburgh versus uh, Baltimore because uh, we you know we beat them the last time we played them. This time it's in Heinz Field, you know, so it should be Le'Veon Bell's got he's starting to get it going, but uh, he only had like 14 rushes for 28 yards last time he played against us. So we shut down the run. We stopped the run. So I, I definitely think we're going to win that game. What's your game to pick, Aaron? My game is the Broncos at the Chiefs. I think uh, this game right here, both teams need it. If the Broncos' playoff hopes want to stay alive, they want to prove that they're a contender. Uh, they want to, you know, make a late playoff run and see what they can do. They got to win this game. And for Kansas City, you know, I think last week after that loss to Tennessee, people are kind of really starting to question them again. Uh, and I think they really need it. And to beat Denver at home and protect their home field and get back ahead of uh, the Raiders in the uh, in the AFC West, they really need that one. So that's the game I'm going for. And I actually got Kansas City in that game. I do, too. I got Kansas City. I think Kansas City is sitting Kansas pretty. Because, uh, I mean, they're always good during the regular season. But when they get to the playoffs, it's another story. Now, Rob, what's your game that you're picking this week? What's a game that sticks out to you? I'm going to go with the Chargers and the Browns. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings versus the Green Bay Packers. Here you have two teams that are trending in completely opposite directions. The Vikings had a crazy hot start. 
The Green Bay Packers struggled early in the season, and the Packers are obviously trending up. The Vikings are obviously trending down. This has, I mean, this has huge implications on on a potential wild card position. Um, and Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's he's got to be an MVP candidate. I mean, the things that he's been doing this season have been nothing short of amazing, even for Aaron Rodgers' standards. You, you think about all the injuries that the Packers have had. Uh, you think about his current re- receiving core at the moment. I mean, they've got, got Ty Montgomery coming out of nowhere, running the ball 15, 20 times a game. So, Aaron, number, Aaron Rodgers. What? They had number 88 run. They had number 88 running the damn ball. Ty, Ty Montgomery. That, Ty Montgomery. So, so Dude, I mean, I mean, Mike McCarthy has had to get very, very, very creative. That's what? where they're at. They got number 88 running the damn ball. No other team has number 88 running the damn ball. That tells you where the Packers are at. They don't have a running game. I mean, they, they got Christian Michael. He looked, he looked all right last weekend, but uh, I just, I'm just i just not sold. I've never been sold on Christian Michael with the Seahawks. I've never really been sold on Eddie Lacy since college. And uh, Starks, I mean, Starks had a little spark, but since then, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is overhyped. Well, well, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, give, good, I didn't give my pick for the game. Green Bay's not going to win this game. They're not. Ooh. Minnesota's going to win this game for the reasons that you, for the reason that you just mentioned. Wow. Yeah, because they stopped the, they stopped the run. They get out and stop that run. I mean, wow. the next week they got Green Bay. Next week you got potential. You got potential. You know, uh, playoff implications on the line when they when Green Bay plays against the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions have looked pretty good too. So that division is very interesting. Now, uh, switch gears here, man. Let's talk about college football, okay? Because we've got the playoff coming up. It's going to be it's gonna be big. we got, you know, the top four teams. Go ahead and rattle them off for me, Aaron. you got Bama at one, Ohio State, the Ohio State University at two, uh, Clemson at three, and Washington at four. And uh, that's the, the playoff with Bama and Washington facing off first next week and then uh the Ohio State Clemson game following. Well who do you got who do you got, Aaron, out of those top four teams? Who who's gonna come out as the victorious one? So I got Bama over Washington and I got Bama over Washington big and I'm talking like fourteen point plus big. And I think the next game is gonna come down to it and I actually I think I'm gonna have to go with Clemson. Um I think it'll be a rematch of last year's uh national title game with the same outcome of Bama winning it all. I just think they're a step above everyone. But Ohio State, you know, <clears throat> I'm not sold on them. Their uh, their offense is a little shaky. And, you know, all they got is a decent running game and a decent passing game, no big deep threats. And uh, JT Barrett just isn't – just doesn't yeah, do it JT for me. Need to start, JT need to start learning how to run routes because he's going to be a wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, he's not not quarterback material whatsoever, and you got to have a solid passing game uh, in order to beat Bama, and that's why Ohio State doesn't uh, move on to me. They finally get exposed for what they are. Okay, so you got Bama. Rob, who you got coming out of the top four? I have nothing to add. Next question. JMU is not playing, so he doesn't care. <laughs> Did you just say JMU, bro? <laughs> JMU is playing in the FCS National Championship game against Youngstown State in Frisco, Texas. That's all I care about regarding college football. Next question. 
Hey, Urban Myers started at Youngstown State. Don't forget that. Wow, that's a that's a that's a little gem right there, Luke. History for y'all. All right, now I do. I'm definitely a VCU Rams, so I hate the Duke. I hate the Duke, and I also hate Duke, like the Duke University. Now, uh, they popped up. In, y'all, y'all see what I did there? <laughs> you're, you're, you're very clever. To Duke. Into Duke, that transition was smooth. Um, anyway, so Grayson Allen, man, he's their, you know, he's their star player. Some would say he's their, you know, top two player on their team. Now he tripped somebody twice last year on the basketball court. Um, the first one, you know, the first one was like he just he was frustrated. He stuck his foot out. The second one was just blatantly ridiculous. But you know, he has a track record. He got two strikes against him. So a couple nights ago, guys like spinning on him down in the paint, gets by him, and then. Sticks his foot out and trips him again. Now it wasn't. It wasn't. It's probably like the least worst trip that he's done out of all three. But because he has two strikes, I mean, this guy's like everybody. It's, it's just an up. It's just an uprising. So he's basically been suspended indefinitely by Coach K after being allowed to play in the second half. By the way, now um, what do you, what's your take on Grayson Allen, Aaron? Aaron Allen, being a Duke fan, a Coach K fan. Uh, I'm not, you know, I get it. I don't condone what Grayson did. You know, there's a little bit of Draymond behind it. So, you know, that's the whole thing. <laughs> so, I, you know, so I, hate, I understand. I hate Draymond. I hate Draymond. I love Draymond. And I hate I love Draymond. I'm a Clippers fan, so. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I, I just think for me, it was what Coach K had to do. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't condone what Grayson did at all, but to me, it's one of those things. Is the are you, are, you kinda, first, are you on a first name basis with this guy? Yeah, me and Gray go back. Yeah, you know we used to hoop at LA Fitness together. <laughs> all right, but, quick, uh, Aaron, quick, Aaron. How many games did, should he sit out? Three to five. All right, now what's your take on Grayson Allen, Rob? First of all, you cannot compare him tripping somebody to what Draymond did. Draymond is Draymond is trying to end families out there. Those two yeah. things are not comparable. But thank God I already got kids. He's kicking people in the nuts, not just people, specifically Stephen Adams in the nuts. Every time you see Stephen Adams, he's kicking him in the nuts. Uh, I don't I don't we're we're not gonna get into into that right now because that's a whole another can of worms. But you, know, you you have to you have to punish the kids for tripping players. You have to suspend them. You have to set an example, uh, especially with him, you know, him him being uh, you know as big of a player as he is in the program. Uh, I mean, when you talk about college sports, uh, you you have to you have to instill discipline. You have to have a, a certain level of of structure. You can't just let these kids go out and do do whatever they want, especially when when it can lead to potential injury for for opposing players. And then we get into sportsmanship. Sportsmanship. I mean, this is Duke basketball. I mean, this, this they they are a powerhouse. They are arguably the the biggest they are the powerhouse standard. in, in, in standard. college basketball. They are the standard. They are the standard. If you don't have a certain level of sportsmanship with the standard of college basketball and all the flux that the NCAA is in and has been for years, uh, no, th- things are just going to crumble. Things are just going to crumble behind Duke one by one. Well, I think I think personally, I think that Grayson Allen is tripping, bro. He's tripping, bro. He like literally, he's tripping, bro. Because honestly, this is coming from somebody who's been tripped 
on the ground, and I had seven stitches put in my right knee because of being tripped. And I know Grayson Allen hasn't injured anybody yet, but it, it's coming because there will be a fourth and there will be a fifth if he continues to play for Duke. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's potentially – could potentially injure somebody, the sportsmanship aspect. But it's just like – it's just like as a person, bro, like, you don't, you, don't, you don't act like that. You don't do that. He gets beat, he gets frustrated, and then he, he, he attacks. And uh, I think, you know, to be honest, I think he should be removed from the team. I, 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 I know Coach K is not going to do that because he loves his white superstars. He loves Christian Leitner, J.J. Reddick, and Grayson Allen fits right in that mold. And I think he's a great player. But, I mean, just – I mean, and then his meltdown on the sideline, I'm done with Grayson. I'm done with Grayson. Now, uh – now, did y'all see that video of Michael Floyd from the uh, Arizona Cardinals, the wide receiver, with the DUI? He made up the yeah. Patriots. Well, now it's on the Patriots because because that's the Patriot way. We just we, – we, we hey. got murderers on our team. Y'all got murderers. Everybody, everybody deserves a second chance. And, uh, you know, he feels at home. He's getting the help he needs. He's drinking a lot of water. So – that, that that was his second DUI, so technically he had a second chance. You're staying hydrated, huh? You're staying hydrated up there in New England. You got to, man. That, it, it's brutal. Those, that East Coast weather I mean, is brutal out there. Well, first of all, it took them about a minute to wake him up. They were banging on the glass so hard they almost broke the glass. Then when he finally wakes up, he's speaking like gibberish, like he's speaking like Portuguese. Like, you can't even understand what the heck this guy's saying. And then uh, he doesn't even know where he's at when the cop asks him where he's at. He doesn't know where he's at. It just It's just a bad look. For all DUIs around the nation, it's just a bad look. That's probably what everybody's DUI looks like. If you ever got a DUI or you know anyone who's had had a DUI, that's probably exactly what it looks like. But on the flip side, the Patriots want to go and scoop him up. Now, you're a Patriot fan, Aaron. How do you feel about that? You think Are you are you excited about Michael Floyd coming to the team, or do you think it's a bad look for the organization? I mean, to me, uh, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity. For me, because you look at it, there's nothing – that New England has to lose at this point in time from this. So from a business standpoint, I think it's great. You get a, you know, top five wide receiver talent. Um, and yeah, at what cost? Because, okay, cool. Um, you know, worst comes to worst, you get suspended by the league and all this stuff. And okay, he doesn't play. Well, look what we've done without him. So it's kind of like, to me, it's just an added bonus, you know, so, at the end of the day, I think it's a great move, and I have no issues with it whatsoever. Well, I think it's a terrible move, and I already know Rob is about to go in on Rob, how do you feel about that? How is the No Fun League going to sit there and preach about player safety, preach about their image, preach about all, all this other stuff, and then here you have a guy who got a DUI, and it was not even his first DUI. He gets released yes, by the yes. Arizona Cardinals. What? That was his second DUI, and he was almost three times the legal limit. He was released by the Cardinals, and then the New England Patriots pick him up. How is this guy even eligible to be playing in the NFL right now? I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. The, the, the NFL is, is so quick now. now Roger Goodell's um, penalties and his discipline have, have been called into question pretty much during his entire regime. But he's, he's, done, he's done some, some questionable things. But how, how – I, I, don't, I don't care if, if they're, they're waiting for, for any sort of new information or, or whatever, whatever the case may be. You have all the information you need, in my opinion. 
Michael Floyd, indefinitely suspended from the NFL. Boom, done. Case closed. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I believe Sheldon Richardson. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So my issue, my my issue with that is this: he hasn't been formally charged yet by, you know, Phoenix PD or whoever by the state of Arizona, we'll call it. So to me, until the civil system has done their due justice, you as an organization shouldn't be allowed to do yours because. But, let's say, but I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop you right there. No, one of our on one of our earlier shows, we talked about professional athletes being role models for for the youth. So if, if you so if you have if you have a, 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 young, a young kid, if you have a kid who's who's looking at this situation, say, oh, this guy got multiple DUIs, and here he is playing playing in the NFL. What type of an example does does that set? That to me goes back to my whole statement on that. Is is that. I would tell my kids to say, hey, you can look at this guy and judge him and have him be a role model for his performance on the field. But Yeah, but you got to wait for his stats before you can say that. He's not an example well, yet. He's a bad example right now. No, based off of what? I mean, I'm saying, like, his just, production on the field. I mean, it sounds like Missy great... Elliott. What's this guy saying, dog? Like, I, I can't even – I've listened – I watched about 100 times. And I still, for the life of me, cannot figure out what the hell he was saying. Right. And, and I'm not saying, but I'm just saying from a standpoint of a role model that professional athletes should be judged as role models for their performance on the field, on the court, on whatever playing. Anything they do outside of it, why are you holding them to a higher standard than anybody else? I wouldn't say, you know, why should they be held to a higher standard than I would hold, you know, my Uncle Joe who lives, you know, two doors down or something. Like, they're still well, I'll human tell you, I'll tell you that at the end of the day. Because nobody sees your Uncle Joe that lives two doors down. Everybody sees Michael Floyd, Michael Floyd no. on TV. But they're talking about – so he's saying for my kid. My kid would see my Uncle Joe. You know what I'm saying? That to me is I hold everybody to the same standard regardless of if you're famous or not. You know, those guys make mistakes. Okay, so we're going to say that every professional athlete, you know, can't do this or can't. That, no, hey, the kid made a mistake. The guy made a mistake. You learn from your mistake. Hey, you get help. You move on. You live the fight another day. You know, thank God Absolutely. nobody got then, hurt. He didn't get hurt. So, hey, and it's always know. good to look at a, a. It's always good to look at like an athlete or someone famous in the spotlight and see that they went through something, and then they came out ultimately successful. So you can always point to that person and say, like, you know, look at Michael Vick. He went to jail for two years, ruined his NFL career, but he's still a good person. <laughs> he's just, he's just not as rich as he used to be. But, exactly. Uh, but uh, so so now we're looking at uh, now we're looking at you know games. You know potentially he could be he could be he could be suspended. He could probably do a weekend in jail with with the strict DUI laws that Arizona has. I mean, but the best case scenario, he comes in during like the AFC Championship and scores a touchdown or two, and then he gets suspended. You know what I'm saying? They the NFL is just so inconsistent. With their with their punishment, sometimes they they don't want to wait for the legal proceedings. They're going to go out and give them four games, and then sometimes oh we're going to wait for the legal legal proceedings to play out. It's just like Roger Goodell is just Roger Baddell. He's bad. He's bad at his job. I mean he gives he gives cats two games for for domestic violence, and then he gives you eight games for smoking weed. Like come on, bro. Yeah. It's just like it's almost like it's almost like he's just spinning a board, spinning the wheel. It's like yo, how many games did this cat get? Oh, he killed somebody. Two. Games. You know, it's like a, it's like a freaking 
game show. Yeah. He's he's a terrible commissioner and I, I definitely think he needs to be to be gone. And just from everything, I think, he's I taking think, the fun I out of the league. Belichick. I think the Belichick would be a good commissioner. I you know, Belichick would get us right where we need to be. Smoking like a true patriot. Do your job. <laughs> All right, so uh so speaking of doing your job and we are we you know, it's my first show on Run the Point. We are Run the Point. I'm B Long. That's Rob Bar that's Rob the Cuban and that's Aaron. AKA Aaron Allen. Now uh last topic that we're gonna jump on guys. Really, really want to talk about a little bit of basketball, man. There's uh there's a lot of things going on as far as uh, you know, team wins. My Clippers are looking good. But uh the whole the whole the whole Warriors thing just doesn't sit right with me. Still to this day, after they played probably thirty games, I still don't like seeing Kevin Durant on the court with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. And then you got Draymond too. Do you guys think I'm gonna go to you first, Rob. Do you think that uh Golden State is gonna come out of the way? Well, you can't argue with the talent. You can't you can't argue with the talent right now. So, for the time being, yes. But a little bit a little bit more on that. Uh, Aaron and I have discussed Russell Westbrook and James Harden on this show in the past. And when I think about MVP candidates, Harden, Russell Westbrook, those are those are two guys that stand out to me. Now, if you're going to look at Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, how in the world can you can you Un, in an unbiased way, judge their performance, their individual statistics when they have such a superstar team team around them. Uh, so I I think I think that bro Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant was up three to one on the Golden State Warriors. He was about to put them to bed. He was about to put them to sleep. He was tucking them in, bro. Then they lose. Then they lose three straight games, and it, it's a debacle. And then he goes straight to to be with that team. Like, come on, bro. I'm not, you're not well, going to well, kick my well, ass. Yeah, yeah. I don't agree with it at all. And and the problem with problem with with him going to the Warriors. One of the problems is they're they're adding a strength to a strength. The Golden State Warriors' problem is physicality and playing both offense and defense down low in the paint. Kevin Durant does not add to that at all. If you look at if you look at that series that you just referenced last year, I mean. Oklahoma City was they were punishing the Warriors in the paint, and they did nothing in the offseason to address that particular weakness. They they added a strength to a strength. Now they have 13 shooters on the court at the same time. And no big. And, and no yeah, big. Exactly. Exactly. Well, they got exactly. Javale, they got Javale McGee, but I mean, who cares? Who cares about that guy? He's a bum. Uh, Aaron, do you think that the Warriors are going to come out of the West? I think it's their conference to lose. Yes. I mean. To me, I look at it to who is there to beat them. Um, right now, they're the Clippers. The, the Clippers. Come on, let's let's well, be we just real. Lost, we just lost Blake. We just lost Blake for you know like twelve weeks. So you know, I I just can't. I like the Clippers. I do, but I can't get behind them um, only because it's the Clippers. Time and time again, they've shown me reasons not to trust them. So. Until they can prove me wrong, you know, I'm not going to. I'm one of those teams. I'm just going to bet against them uh, come playoff time because you know, they're yeah, going to find a way to lose. <laughs> they're going to find a way to I, lose. I, find a way to choke it away. I was actually there last year, uh, game one, the the opening round of the playoffs. 
against the Portland Trailblazers. It was uh, it was my first NBA playoff game. My favorite team, and uh, you know, Chris Paul showed up, Billy Griffin showed up, DeAndre showed up. But uh, yeah, we ended up losing that series, bro, it, it, just because of the injury. So it, it seems like we have like bad luck or something. Donald Sterling curse. But uh, I mean, I think that the Clippers. You also got to look at. You also got to look at uh, Oklahoma City. What if Oklahoma City gets like no. the AC? No. And then and then they're like and then they go against no. Golden State in the opening round of the playoffs, bro. No. Because I look at it, like, I think the thing is, is this. At the end of the day, that's basically one on four. There is no way Westbrook can win a series. He can maybe win a game, make it competitive, you know. Oh, he won that stat line. But that's right. But he cannot win a series against anybody, uh, regardless of who they're playing. And that's what And that's what I think it is. Um, with him and Harden is at the end of the day, these guys can will you to win a game, but come playoff time, you have to win a series. And I don't foresee them doing it because, you know, I I would just give them the Jordan effect. Okay, cool. We're going to let you get 60. We're going to let you get a triple double, but guess what? Ain't nobody else getting anything. Yeah. Well, you know, know, that's just what Clay, Steph and, and uh, Durant are going to have at halftime playing against, you know, that team. Yeah. Yeah. They have, they've had some, uh, like, especially Clay's performance early in the, early in the season. I want to see him go for 80, but uh, definitely, definitely they are talented. But now, you mentioned Westbrook and Harden, and I want to ask you this first, Rob, because we, we got five minutes left on the show. So uh, I want to ask you this first, Rob. Who is the MVP? Who's your MVP in the NBA? The current NBA MVP is without question Russell Westbrook. This this guy is walking a triple double. I mean, he really he really has he has minimal minimal you talent know, around you know him compared to other say. MVP candidates. You know what you always say, bro? He should change his number to thirty-two because he's a walking triple double. Say it again. Repeat that. You you always say he should change his number to thirty-two because he's a walking triple double. Boom! Exactly done. Now, so so let's 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 take, let's take a stat line that he's capable of, of putting up, which he did recently. Let's say thirty points, twenty assists. Uh, so he's directly responsible for at least at least seventy points. Now you take take, take those twenty assists. Let's say they're all two point buckets. That's forty plus his thirty. Directly responsible for seventy Ooh. points. Oh, that JMU math, baby. He's, that JMU math. <laughs> You give me you give me a man who any given night can be directly responsible for a minimum of seventy points, and I give you three letters M V P. I'm gonna give you three letters to your JMU V C all day. <laughs> <laughs> who do you for your MVP, bro? I'm going for the sleeper that nobody's talking about or even thinking about. The unibrow, the man, ew. Anthony Davis. Ew, bro, ew. Can we not refer to him as a unibrow? Like, I just, I, I'm uncomfortable with that. <laughs> bro, bro, like, no, no, let's be, let's be real. Like, this, this hurts me. It hurts me. It gets under my skin, bro. I mean, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not into guys. But if he were to shave his unibrow, he would be a relatively attractive dude. He would be like, he would be marketable. But with that unibrow, he looks like an angry bird, an angry pelican. <laughs> and I'm, bro, he needs to cut it, bro. I don't care about no branding or nothing. But uh, what's your reason why he should be the MVP? 
I only look at it from this standpoint is because I get the whole triple double. I get the stat line, but I just look at it from a winning record thing. And I think at the end of the day, the Pelicans and the impact that Anthony Davis has on them and their record, I think the Pelicans are going to be the eighth in the, in the West. And they will get over, yeah, and they probably will, but I think them over a triple double playoff list, uh, Westbrook, you know, I look at it from a, what value aspect does he have? And it's like, you take Anthony Davis off the Pelicans. They're the worst team in the NBA. Uh, with him, you know, they're the AC with, with, in the West. The team in the NBA. <laughs> they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not the worst team in the NBA, but they're, they're not that good. It, it, what's crazy Without is they, they got Buddy Davis, Hill. They're the worst team. <laughs> they got Buddy Hill, bro, from uh, Oklahoma last year. And yeah, no, his name cost too much. But he can shoot, he can shoot the rock. But uh, my MVP is – it's obvious, bro. You take him off his team, the team goes from number one to number 32. You take him off the Cleveland Cavaliers, and then oh you put him on the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat, the Miami Heat sucked. They, were like, they didn't even make the playoffs. The Cavaliers were the number one seed. The very next year, the Miami Heat jumped to the number one seed, and the Cleveland Cavaliers fall off the face of the earth. So he is clearly the MVP, the most valuable player. If you take LeBron away from the Cavaliers, they're not going to be the Cavaliers anymore. So I think that LeBron should be the MVP every single freaking year that he's balling like he is, bro. Because, I mean, he's the most valuable player. He's the most valuable to his team, in my opinion. All right, guys. So it's been a great great show. Uh, We are coming up to our final, final segment. It's called Run the Point. So uh, I want you to run your point, and I'm going to start with you, Aaron. What's, uh, What's getting under your skin? Run your point. I think the biggest thing that I've that's been getting underneath my skin it's still just this BSness in the NFL of like what's a catch, what's not a catch, what's you know with with the just the current state of the rules and you know the roughing the passer things, you know Cam can't get a freaking call, but the moment they touch Brady, the moment they touch somebody else, you know it's a flag. So I, that to me is just. Going into the playoffs, I feel like that's going to have a huge outcome on a game of whether a team gets in or gets not or whether a team moves on or moves not. And it's one of the things that I, like, highly encourage the NFL and Goodell and the commissioners and the owners and everybody just to sit down and be like, okay, let's really look at the rule book and come up with a way to make this thing better because it's just getting terrible uh, the amount of just missed calls, bad plays, and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, I think it's really going to hurt a team and affect them. That's a great point, bro. That's a great point. Some people, some people are pulling the uh, the race card, the black card, saying Cam's not getting called because he's black. It ain't the black card. It's the dance card because he was dancing all over the ass. And he was <laughs> and he was conceited. And now they get his ass back. I mean, it's just a, it is what it is. All right, now, Rob, Rob the Cuban, run your point. How is the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints not in the Pro Bowl? This man, Andrew Christopher Breeze, is leading the National Football League in passing yards and touchdowns, and he was not named to the Pro Bowl roster. What? Come again? What? 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 <laughs> 
Hey, I'm, I'm sitting over here speechless because, first of all, the, the Pro Bowl has received a lot of criticism in recent years, and and rightfully so. Uh, but how could, you like make, the new how could you make such a blatant mistake? I'm going to call it a mistake. And you know what? Drew Brees has been critical of Roger Goodell. He has been critical of, of the NFL's policies. And maybe this is one big conspiracy. Hey, you want to question Goodell? You're not going to come to the Pro Bowl, buddy. All right, that's a great point too, Rob. That's a great point. Even though you know Drew Brees, I'm not a Drew Brees fan, but he's just putting up numbers. Be, since you don't have to be. You don't have to be a Drew Brees fan. What 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 makes you so the Pro Bowl? So we're talking a lot about the MVP award in the NBA, okay? Most valuable players yeah, in your team. That, that, that's that's what the them. MVP is. But but the Pro Bowl is about individual statistics. Are you the best? Are you the best player at your position in the National Football League, as far as statistics go? And the, the the numbers the numbers do not lie. I'm no mathematician, but the numbers do not lie. Drew Brees should be named to the Pro Bowl. Uh, he'll probably end up going as an alternate because that's what always seems to happen. With you know half the Pro Bowl roster doesn't even stand. There's alternates, there's injuries, there's the playoffs, Super Bowl, what have you. But Brees should have been named to the initial Pro Bowl roster. And whatever you're taking money out of this man's pocket because he probably has a contract incentive for making the Pro Bowl. And I know these players get get, get additional <laughs> compensation for making the Pro Bowl. You're taking money out of the pocket of the player who leads the NFL in passing yards and touchdowns. It is a crime done. All right. Well, even if he gets in as that uh as that uh as that uh you know that alternate on the Wikipedia page, it's still gonna show this Pro Bowl. So you know I, I'll take alternate all day. But uh, my 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 uh, running point is I'm sick and tired of the Baltimore Ravens not getting the respect that we deserve. Okay, now the division sucks this year, but we have the number one ranked defense in the league against the pass the against everything. Joe Flacco is still an elite quarterback. Now I know sometimes he can be fluko, but Joe Flacco threw 11 touchdowns to zero interceptions on that Super Bowl run, and he's gonna do it again this year. I got the I got the Baltimore Ravens going all the way to the Super Bowl against the Dallas Cowboys, and we're going to beat them. Joe Flacco will win his second Super Bowl, and then you'll finally give him the respect that he deserves. Well, that's all we got for you all today, man. It's been a great show. I, I really do uh, <laughs> hold on, hold on. enjoy it. How, how, are, how are we going to end the show with you praising Joe Flacco? That doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> I like how he tried he to sneak that in. His first show, bro, he's like, oh, bro, Flacco's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it's like, uh, since when? When did this come about? I missed that memo. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean look at his numbers. And look at and look at all the receivers that have come in and out, all the running backs that have come in, all the offensive linemen that come in and out. Flacco has remained consistent. Now he has his bad games there, here and there, but I, I mean, it's like he's like Eli, man. When it when it's time to shine, he's gonna shine. So no. this year, Flacco I really do. I feel bad. Hey, Bro, hey, this is the Barry, Barry, Barry. Is is your yeah, last name yeah. is your last name Simpson? Because you're a homer. <laughs> That's terrible. That's terrible. Yeah, I am a homer. I'm 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 diehard Ravens all day. But I mean, they're actually good. If they suck, I would I would I would keep them 100. I would say they suck. But we're actually really good. If we beat Pittsburgh, then we go into the Super Bowl. If we lose to Pittsburgh, we ain't even going to the playoffs. Well, yeah. Yeah, man. I I really I really enjoyed you guys, man. It's been a it's been a great show. Great first show for me. Finally settled in. Uh, anything you guys would like to add before we before we end the show? 
Hey, uh, really, one last thing I'd like to add. Hey, I'd just like to wish everyone a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever everybody celebrates, Kwanzaa. Oh, cli- oh cliche ass. <laughs> hey, wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. We wish everybody a happy Easter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Oh. Right. So, uh, this is been Run the Point. On behalf of Rob the Cuban, Aaron Allen, my name is B. Long, and y'all better tune in next week. This is Run the Point.